One Emotional Podcast, conversations for inspiration on the go. We offer on-the-go inspiration because our whole heart is set on beauty and our best bets are set on art. Hi, everyone. Welcome today to Luan Emotional Podcast. So in today's episode of this season two, I'm going to talk today about a fascinating book. For me, it's a masterpiece. It's the masterpiece of the year, in my opinion. And um, this book cultivated me so much because it talks from a scientific perspective um, how we're built in our brain with a creative lens and with a spiritual lens, which is quite interesting to see these two, you know, merging together nowadays. So uh, this book was written by Jill Bolte Taylor, and um, the book's name is Whole Brain Living. And Jill Bolte Taylor, she has, I think, one of the most viewed TED Talk, if not the most viewed TED Talk ever. And that's called My Stroke of Insight. And she narrates how she had a stroke on her left side brain. And from her side, you know, by being a scientist, he could, she could appreciate everything that was happening in her brain. So she experienced this blissful euphoria of only staying with the right part of the brain. And this was a key insight for her recovery and the development and the writing of this new book. So I think that what makes this book so unique and exciting is that the psychology she presents is specifically correlated to the underlying brain anatomy that what we know about the function of those specific group cells. So this book is more or less about our shared journey into the challenges of our lives and what our choices are in how we can live our best life while taking our brain anatomy into account. So she has a background in neurosurgeon. She's a neurosurgeon and she also studied psychology and she also studied anatomy. So in this book, uh, Jill talks about four predictable and easy to identify characters that we all have based on the anatomy of our brain. Every ability we have is completely dependent to the underlying brain cells, brain cells that manufacture those abilities. And these four different group of cells manufacture four different skill sets, ultimately resulting in the expression of each of our four characters. So this book is our road map to peace, which really is just a thought way. It's just like one option of living life. Okay. So talking about um, her stroke, uh, Jill Bolte was 37. This was in 1996. And she suffered a left hemisphere stroke, which caused her right hemisphere to become temporarily dominant. It took her eight years to recover. So when the left hemisphere was shutting down, over the course of four hours, she watched her brain functions shut down one by one, understanding everything that was happening on her brain. On the afternoon of that stroke, she could not walk, talk, read, write, or recall any of her life. She had become, as she calls it, an infant in a woman's body. 
She could, no, she could no longer experience the linearity of time or a sense of urgency, speak or understand language, identify the physical boundaries of where the body began and where it ended, perceive individuality, personality, understand the concepts of self-loathing, feeling guilty or feeling lonely, experience past regrets, present fears, or future expectations. On the contrary, she stayed on the right side or, or the right hemisphere of her brain and her experience on that right hemisphere was that um, she felt her spirit surrender. She had said already goodbye to her life and then she realized that she was still alive and that she had found nirvana. And if she had found nirvana, then she must be still alive. And then she realized that everyone who is alive can eventually find nirvana. So she pictured a world filled with beautiful, peaceful, compassionate, loving people who knew that they could purposely choose to step to the right of their left hemisphere and find this peace. And she realized what a tremendous gift this experience could be. What a stroke of insight, as her first book and her tech talk is called, this could be for how we live our lives. And this was a key motivator for her to recover. Her right-only experience gave her peaceful euphoria and a bliss of the eternal timelessness of the present moment. It was a oneness with the universe. She felt, as she calls it, like this gigantic ball of energy that blended fluidly with the rest of the energy in the universe. She could only perceive the pixelated atoms that makes up space and exist at the level of the cosmic flow. She perceived the essence of herself as enormous and expansive and perceived us all collectively, energetically, as a part of the same being. So we were all woven together into a fabric of tiny molecules that were in motion, spirit sword free and boundless, both free-flowing and as big as a universe. Right? Like, from her comments, like... Who doesn't want to experience that, <laughs> right? We all want to experience something like that. We all want to feel that blissful euphoria that we can all be craving for. So it took her eight years to recover. No, It took her a lot of emotions to start feeling her emotions again, to start understanding language again to regain the emotional circuits of resentment, guilt, and embarrassment that they were gone. And her emotions, even the negative ones, truly enrich her perception of experience and make life more remarkable. Sometimes we might think that we don't want to feel anymore. But if we feel more, then we're able to feel the good things and the not-so-good things as well, the uncomfortable emotions, as we could call it, you know? Um, so the most valuable insight that she gained from the depths of her brain was the realization that we have the power to turn our emotional circuitly on and off by choice. This is quite interesting. So she pulls, uh, she talks about duality, ego, and the hero's journey. So in duality, by having both of these hemispheres working together inside one head, we experience a natural duality, right? This world is duality. As we have day, we have night. As we have light, we have darkness, right? As we have, you know, we have the yin-yang. So 
As a result, you know, it is normal for us to endure an ongoing internal conflict based completely on the two uniquely autonomous perspectives of our left and, and right brains. Because, as you know, most of the times we could be you know, more dominant in a left or a right side brain. And there's lots of people that are um, equally dominant or have both hemispheres well developed. It's not like you have 100% of one and 0% of the other. Usually you have a little bit of both, right? And in this book, we will explore how we have a little bit of the four characters, okay? So also something quite interesting is that our right and left brains would forever evolve on separate yet parallel tracks of consciousness and existing duality. Our right brain would evolve to be the home of our feminine, the yin, and grace of the cosmic right here, right now, while our left brain would develop masculine energy, yang, and ego-centered traits based on our individuality and past experiences. The only problem with denying the duality of our left and right brains and the realms they indefinitely navigate is the billions of things in our right brain would world that defy our left brain's definition of truth. Even the existence of life itself is unexplainable by our left brain. It is so important to realize that simply because our left brain has an opinion about something, that doesn't mean that it's necessarily true. Okay? Then if we take a little bit deeper on the ego, on what Jill says in this book, um, when her left thinking network went offline, her ego self completely disappeared. Completely disappeared. So her identity was completely gone, her, her identity as we normally know it, right? So when those cells of her left brain ego center shut down, she shifted into the oblivion of her right brain and she had no idea who she was. And she could not recall anything about her pre-stroke life. Also, what went silent is a chattering monkey mind of the left brain. Do you know what's the monkey mind? The monkey mind is a voice that we have constantly inside our heads all the time telling us like, oh, you didn't call Ben. You need to call him right now. Oh, you forgot this. Oh my God, Marion, you always forget these things. You know, that voice is constantly nagging you and telling you things and finding, you know, flaws and finding things that are not good. You know, that's our monkey mind. And with meditation, sometimes we could calm the monkey mind with meditation and with, and with breath work. And so um, as her ego disappeared and her personal content of her identity, uh, she knew nothing about her life. So she could only experience what, had, what was in the, this moment right now. So she lost everything, no identity, no knowing about herself. Nothing about the person that was there before, her likes and dislikes, no longer existed. Even in the absence of her left brain ego, she remained conscious of living, of being alive, of being a living being, no? She could no longer communicate with words. They had to do mere sounds that had no meaning. So this experience was the first step of her hero's journey. So the journey we will take into our brain in this episode based on her book. 
is based on Joseph Campbell's classic monomyth that describes the step a hero must take to fulfill his hero's journey. So in the language of the brain, the hero must step out of his own ego-based left brain consciousness into the realm of his right brain's unconsciousness. Before the hero's left brain ego cells developed his perception of himself as an individual, he possessed a collective knowledge of his right brain's unconscious mind. And with time, as individualization of his left brain developed, it grew to dominate and inhibit the knowledge of his right brain mind. So this is something quite interesting because the hero's journey has a call, right? The hero's journey has an unconscious realm and the hero's journey has a return that we're going to see following, okay? So our character's four consciousness is the most distant destination of our hero's journey. And returning to this consciousness is a coming home to our precious and most peaceful self. So we're going to explore a little bit. I'm not going to go into the anatomy because it's more, you know, dense stuff. If you would like to dig into it, you can, you know, go and read the book. It's fascinating, by the way. And um, I'm going to go right in inside our our four characters okay so she says that we have four distinct group of cells divided between our two brains hemispheres that generate four consistent and predictable personalities neuroanatomically this four group of cells make up the left and right thinking centers of our higher cerebral cortex as well as our left and right emotional centers of our lower limbic system so collectively, she calls these personalities the four characters, and getting to know them inside our brain is our ticket to freedom, okay? So we have the character one is our left brain thinking. So this character is in charge of verbal, thinks in language, thinks linearly, past-future-based, analytical, focuses on details, Six differences, judgmental, punctual, individual, concise, precise, fixed, focused on me, busy, conscious, structured order, organizes everything, categorizes well, is naturally mechanical, is neat, plans well, respects authority, critically judges right, wrong, and good and bad, and counts everything, is protective, okay? We have... On also the left brain, but the emotional part, which is character two. Okay, so character two, I'm going to say it again. Character two is our left brain. Instead of thinking as character one, is our left brain emotional. That's character two. So this one is constricted, is rigid, cautious, fear-based, stern, loves conditionally, doubts, bullies, righteous, manipulates, deceives, tried and Tried and true, independent, egocentric, selfish, self-absorbed, right, self-righteous, self-promoting, critical, superior or inferior, right, wrong, good, bad, anger, name-calling, feels guilty, internalizes shame, negative self-judgment, actions, whine, blames, holds grudges or resentments, and has no respect for authority. This is the part that we are hurt. You know, when we feel insecure, when we feel that we're lacking confidence, when we have the imposter syndrome where we feel guilty, where we experience shame, this is kind of like part of our dense emotions, okay? Then we're going to go into our right brain. We're also going to discover the emotional, which is character three, and then the character four, which is the thinking of our right brain, okay? 
So character three, this is the right brain emotional. This is expansive. It's open. It's experiential, risk-taking, fearless, friendly, kind, empathic, loves unconditionally. Forgiving, trust, supports, grateful, playful, joyful, goes with the flow, awe-inspired, curious, creative and innovative, collective, sharing, equality, contextual and hopeful. And then we have our character four, which is a right brain thinking. This character, please pay special attention to it because it's fascinating. It's nonverbal, thinks in pictures, thinks experientially, presents present moment base, kinesthetic, body Looks holistically at the big picture, six similarities, compassionate, lost in the flow of time, collective, flexible, resilient, open to possibilities, focus on we, on us, on all together instead of me, available, unconscious, fluid, flow, aware, expansive, connection, accepting, embrace, change, authentic, generous of spirit, clarity, intention, and vulnerability. Okay, so... Just to narrow it down, we have our two hemispheres, left brain and right brain. In our left brain, we have, we have character one, the left brain thinking. We have character two, our left brain emotional. Then we have our right brain, character three, emotional. And then we have our character four, right brain thinking. Okay, so we're going to dig down deep very fast on these four characters and then um we're going to talk about the brain hurdle so the character one is our power in the world and also the face we show it corresponds to the archetype of the persona which jung defined as a kind of mask designed to make a definite impression upon others it is kind of like our, our alpha self okay so it's external focused it's time-based goal-driven judging has a lot of details, differentiation, is very individual, focuses on me. The worldview that establishes and the belief system within which we'll make our decisions and evolve our life. It's competitive and respects authority, okay? Our character two, the left brain emotional, is, as Carl Jung um, talks about it, the shadow. It is often described as the unknown, the dark side of our personality. While our character too often presents itself as the unsavory or most deeply pained part of our unconscious left brain. At its worst, this part of our brain is emotionally reactive to the external world and does not accept responsibility for its behavior ever, ever. You know, character two will never have responsibility for anything, okay? And it's also inclined to sacrifice its future as it is blinded by, blinded by the pain from the past, okay? So the description of this character, it compares present versus past memories. It was where we have all the deepest emotions. Everything that we feel is there, both positive and negative. Um, that's, that's where we process stress, our stress circuit, circuitry. And um, pessimistically, when we see as the glass is half empty, okay, we get protection from hurt in this part of the brain. We use a fight, flight, or freeze response, okay? So it's kind of like the fear-based group of cells, okay? Then we're going to go on our right brain, emotional, character three. This one is uh, the archetype that Carl Jung talks about. is the anima and animals. We're all equally important brother and sisters. So 
It's kind of like having the anima and animus, which represents the inner femininity of males and the inner masculinity of females. So all humans, we are energetically androgynous. We all have both energies, okay? And, our, and this part of ourself serves as a primary source of communication with the collective consciousness of our species, independent of our gender, okay? So character three focuses on the present moment and loves to play. They're connected with universal flow, sees a big picture, present moment threats. It's quite experiential. Um, joy is the underlying feeling, feeling gratitude for anything at all. Connection with the body, love doing stuff in our body and being active. Reads body language and sees possibilities instead of limitations. So pushes limits and box authority. Okay. And character four, the right brain thinking, as we use the Carl Jung archetype, is a true self. So Jung spoke of the true self as the archetype, archetypal part of ourselves that was the unification of our consciousness with our unconsciousness. So the description is the source, is the energy, is the universal intelligence, is where awareness is, where boundless and no physical boundaries we have. It's are the sense of our own individuality connected with wholeness. It's open, it's expansive, it's accepting, has deep peace and love, feels true enlightenment. And what I want you to take most of these podcasts is the 90-second rule and brain huddle. So this is quite interesting because the important thing about it is, is how we can use a brain huddle to purposely increase the number of cellular connections we have between each of our four characters. So she talks about this 90-second rule. So once the circuit is stimulated and we have triggered an emotional response, it takes less. It takes less than 90 seconds for the chemistry of that emotion to flood through us and then flush completely out of our bloodstream. Okay? So, of course, we can either consciously or unconsciously choose to rethink the thought that triggered the emotional circuit to run away and still hurt, angry, sad, or whatever for longer than 90 seconds. But in that case, what we're doing at a neurological level is re-stimulating the emotional circuit so it will run over and over again. If there is no repeated trigger, the emotional circuit will run its course and stop after the 90 seconds that it takes the chemistry to neutralize. So she calls this the 90 second rule. Okay, so there are pretty much only three things going on in our brain. We think thoughts, we feel emotions, and we run physiological responses to what we're thinking and feeling. Okay, so we can choose to pause for a second. Okay, we can act in these 90 seconds or we can return to the circuit into a loop that goes reactive, okay? So the brain huddle requires that we push the pause button, which is essentially the same as running the 90 second rule, okay? So we have much more power over what is going on inside of our heads than we have ever been taught. We have the power to choose moment by moment who and how we want to be in the world, which of the four characters we want to portray. So the brain huddle is how we own our power by taking full responsibility for who and how we present ourselves to the world. The more we do the brain huddle, the more we practice it during the benign moments of our lives, the stronger that circuit becomes. So nurturing the habituation of our brain huddle will lead us to a more whole brain life. Okay. So what is exactly the brain huddle? You might be asking yourself. 
Well, the brain huddle is encouraging the four characters to voice their opinions. It's kind of like having a democracy where every character gets an equal vote. Well, of course, you're in danger, okay? So regardless of what is going on outside ourselves, we have the power to routinely come out of the huddle with an appropriate and peaceful resolution. So you need to breathe, okay? Because the brain huddle goes for brain, no? B, it's in brain, in breathe and focus on your breath. This enables you to hit the pause button, interrupt your emotional reactivity and bring your mind to the present moment with a focus on yourself. Two, R, brain, the R, recognize which of the four characters secretly you are running in the present moment. A, the third one, A, appreciate whichever character you find yourself exhibiting and appreciate the fact that you have all four characters available to you at any moment. They're all available to you at any moment. You could be in character two thinking you're screwed, with character two feeling terrible and feeling awful. But you have availability of the four characters. Then the I, inquire within and invite all four characters into the huddle so they can collectively and consciously strategize your next move. And N, the last one, navigate your new reality with all four characters bringing their best game. So the idea is to take into consideration these four characters and hearing each of them what they have to say. So, for example, if you have one example, it's about if you are walking around and you see a cat that just been run over, okay? So, if character one comes no, into the scene, when you see it, you might be like, oh my god, I need to call, you know, um, the vet to come pick him up and maybe I can wrap him and take him and CPR and take him somewhere, nah, 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 you know? Kind of like moving it constantly. Kind of like moving it constantly, right? And uh, if you focus on character two, then on character two would be like, oh my God, poor cat. Oh my God, somebody ran over. Oh my God, he's in so much pain. Oh, I can't believe it. <gasps> this cat, oh my God. You know, that would be, you know, character two. Then the character three would be kind of like being expansive and fascinating and just being there fully present with the cat, observing it, kind of like trying to help. And the character four would be kind of like, you know, helping the cat, you know, going to transition in a peaceful and loving way, connected with the creative energy and connected with consciousness and connected with everything, with that energy and that matter that connects us all human beings. It would be to step into the situation through your spirituality character. So I hope this um, summary of this book um, helped you to identify your four characters and play more with what um, we have in our brains in our daily basis. Obviously, reading the book is completely fascinating because also at the end it has this uh, chapter about which character has been ruling generations, you know, like millennials and Jane. X and you know the baby boomers and all that it's, and it's quite fascinating just to you know appreciate a different uh perspective on things so um it was my love for this book that I wanted to share with you and um share the knowledge and the love that I have for this book thank you and stay tuned for next week's episode will be a different book want to keep the conversation going 
Luan, the world's first emotional museum, designed a global online experience to inspire and explore. Follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Telegram, and visit our site at luanmuseum.com to engage creatively.